Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Galatians chapter 5, the book of Galatians chapter 5. Now, all the things that we've studied thus far, the introduction of Galatians, Galatians 1, 2, 3, 4, and here we are. We have this understanding of the law. And what does Paul say here in verse 1? Stand fast. Stand fast, which is to be immovable. But he says this, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Now, we've studied the, the book of 1 Corinthians already. If you've been listening to us for a while, you, you, you know that we've studied 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, that we were bought at a price. We were bought at a price and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And that's what the law is. We're not to go back into slavery. Now, bondage, slavery can be different things for different people, sex, drugs, rock and roll, but even the law, even the law, and that is bondage. You see, it's very important to understand. Remember in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And that's what happens when these pseudodelphos comes in, the false brethren, as he says in chapter 2, verse 4, the false brethren who are secretly brought in, who came in by stealth. And their whole purpose at the end of verse 4, that they might bring us into bondage. Now for Paul, he says, Paul and his entourage, he says to, when I say entourage, listen to our study through the Corinthians, you'll understand. It's not a carnal entourage. It's a people who are, he's training the next generation of ministry, pastors, elders, uh, evangelists. But he says to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, translates as even for a, an instant. Because Paul knew. He might have said, you know, hello, how you doing to the, you know, unbeknownst to him, they were false brethren. Hello, how you doing, you know, and all of a sudden they sit down, they start to speak and whatever is being said, Paul knows immediately, wait a second, that's not in the Bible. Wait a second, that's also not in the Bible. Wait a second, that's also not in the Bible. I'm not going to yield submission to that. You're the crazy one. You're the one who's coming. And if you're going to continue down that path, you are a pseudodelphos. You are the false brethren. Now, how many saints in Galatia do you think would be able to identify that this was a pseudodelphos? This was, these were false brethren. How many people? I would say probably few. Probably few. 95%, if not 100% of the saints in Galatia would fall for it. The pseudodelphos who are secretly brought in. And remember our study in 2 Corinthians, these the preacher guys who come in with a different gospel, different Jesus, a different spirit, and they're servants of Satan. I wonder how many people would sin who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. They're ministers of Satan. That's what they want to do. They want to bring into bondage because they want you outside of Christ because Satan knows he's going to burn in the lake of fire and he wants to take you with him. Who's going to let that happen? Now, Paul says in chapter 2, Verse verse 2, we did not yield submission even for an instant, even for an hour. You see? And he says in verse 6, he says, they seem to be something, but whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. I don't care if this guy has his degrees. I don't care if he has his master's, his doctorate. I could care less. What is he speaking? What is he teaching? 
Oh, but this guy has his master's degree. We got to listen to what he say. This guy has his doctor. He went to this seminary and he's got, we got to listen to him. Look, he's got his study Bible. He's got this and they got the big fellowships. They got this. That's nice. That's nice. What are they teaching? And is what is being taught, does it align with scripture? If the answer is no, do not give them your ears. You see? And Paul says at the end of verse 6, chapter 2, he says, For those who seem to be something added nothing to me, then what do they bring to the table? Then it's not boastful. Paul's not saying, Oh, look, I'm awesome. I know all this. And, you know, what do they bring nothing to me? Paul's not saying that at all. Remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And with this knowledge, which is a gift, it's a tool. It's a necessary tool. Yes, to help us to show ourselves approved, we study the scriptures, but at the same time, there's safety in it because the pseudodelphos, the false brethren, the ministers of Satan, the servants of Satan who present themselves as ministers of righteousness, they can be identified. No, sorry, you're not. You're not teaching that. That mess, you're not coming here with that mess. No. And people who desire to be teachers and they teach on things in which they ought not to teach. And Paul here in chapter 5, verse 1, he stand fast, be immovable in the liberty that we have in Christ. Not to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, if you've been listening with us to us for a while, do you see how this understanding of the Old Testament helps us understand as new covenant believers to not be entangled with a yoke of bondage, entangled again? Because do you remember Israel after the Exodus, they come out of Egypt? But then, you know, there were some, oh, we had it good in Egypt. We had the fish and the leeks and the garlic. We had all these things. And wow, we had it so good. Moses, why did you bring us here out in the desert? Why did you bring us here in the wilderness to die? We want to go back to Egypt. And the Lord is reactionary. We see how the Lord responded. That wasn't good. Remember, he disciplines those whom he loves. And so with that knowledge of the Old Testament, remember old interpreting new, new interpreting old. How does this help us? Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Do you see how this helps us? How much it helps us? Because I don't want to make that same mistake. I don't want to go back to the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll. You say, wait a second, I never did the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll, but I was in the Hebrew Roots Movement. I attempted to be uh, 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 justified in the law. Well, don't do that either. It's, it's also bondage. You see? And I have to say this, if you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement, come out of for my people. It's a very, very dangerous movement and i understand it completely and if you're listening for the first time hit pause and listen to our introduction to galatians galatians 1 2 3 4 and then continue because you'll understand more you'll understand deeper and deeper but i understand the desire to have more structure usually when i have these conversations with christians with the pew christians not the pulpit christians and i'm doing my little air quotes because the pulpit, it's a different subject matter, which we'll get into when we study for, uh, the Timothys and the Titus. We'll, we'll, we'll study that. But the pulpit is a little different. I'm speaking to the pew Christians, the, the, the pew people. Now, when I have these conversations with people, they say, well, I, we need more church government. We need more government in church because I look at the church and I see oh, it's a mess. And I see, look, they do, they do the worship and it's like a concert. And, you know, he has his highlights and he thinks it's a, 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 a band concert. And, you know, and then 
the minister comes out and, you know, it's very seeker friendly and they teach things about, you know, the glitter is the Holy Spirit. They want to go grape soaking. They say it's okay to take the mark of the beast. They teach replacement theology. And look, you know, the the, the uh, everything looks like this and they behave like this. There's no, you know, there's a lot of sex, a lot of drugs and all these things. And I need more church government. Listen, I understand. I'm in complete and total agreement with you. And when I have these conversations with the pew Christians, a lot of times, oh, we want more church government. We want more church government. We, we need more structure. Well, why do you need structure? Well, because the structure will prevent this from happening. And so what happens? There are usually two or three categories where the people flock to. They either run to the Hebrew Roots Movement because they want structure, or they run to Calvinism because they want structure, or they want run to reformed theory because they want structure. But let me tell you something. All three of those are wrong. Biblically. All three of those are wrong. Straight up. Now, if you're Calvinist and Reformed, listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand. He might also throw in there, you know, our message, you might have to search for a little bit, do not take the mark of the beast because the reformed theory people, the Calvinists, they're starting to teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast. So I have these conversations with people, the pew Christians, and they're in desperate need of structure because they don't want to be in a fellowship with the sex, the drugs, and the rock and roll. They don't want to be in a fellowship. They want to be refined. They want to be in a, a, a like-minded believers. Yes, we wrestle with the flesh, but I'm talking about the works of the flesh that haven't been dealt with for year one, year two, year three. Remember Corinth, three years deep and they're still babies? And if that's you, and you're in a camp that desires structure, well, let me tell you this. It is prophesied for the church to be crazy in the last days. Four categories of the last day's church. It is either false, it is uh, entering apostasy, or it's straight up apostate, or it is true. Those are the four categories of the last day's church. The very, the, the, the very reason why you want more church structure is it's instead of running to Hebrew roots, instead of running to Calvinism, instead of running to Reformed theory, instead of running to the Presbyterian, run to Christ. Run to Christ and understand the times that these things, the, the very fact that it's a bother to you, rejoice in that. Because it's a bother to the Lord too. You see, remember, judgment comes first in the house of God. Everybody talks, oh yeah, God's judgment is coming. The rapture is imminent and the rapture is going to happen. That's if you're a preacher. I'm not preaching, but if you're preaching, oh yeah, the rapture is coming. Now, I know that sounds, you know, if you're listening for the first time, it's like, whoa, what is this guy talking about? Well, listen to our other studies. One is uh, uh, Jacob's trouble, explained biblically explained, and then uh, uh, when is the rapture? Listen to those two studies and you'll understand. It's very important in these last days. It's going to get darker and darker and darker and darker, except there will be light in Goshen, just as there was in Egypt. There will be light with God's people. Instead of flocking to the, you know, we want more church structure. We need more structure to avoid these things from happening. Understand that these things must happen. You're among the remnant. And in that, rejoice. 
There's, it's sad. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a happy time. But the Bible prophesies of times of sorrows. Notice the plurality. Times, not of sorrow. Of sorrows, plural. It's going to be sad. And it is sad. And yet Paul says this. In chapter 5, verse 2, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, Remember, a, a, a former Pharisee, a Pharisee is a student of Gamaliel, and he says, I say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Remember, it's the law that brings a soul to Christ. Christ will never bring anybody. Never. Never, ever, ever. Christ will never bring a soul to the law. Never. Now, a person can walk away from Christ and be under the law. But Christ will never lead anybody to the law. You know who does? Satan. Another Christ. Another spirit. Another gospel. The pseudodelphos. The false brethren. They will. But they're servants of Satan. And you know, in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. They bought it. The saints in Galatia, they bought it. They got a hook in their jaw and they're being seduced into the law. And Paul is trying to rescue them. You see, he says, if you become, in chapter 5, verse 2, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. He is obligated to keep the whole law. And what do we, when we read the further down, what happens? We see if you fail in one law, you fail in them all. Nobody, it's impossible. It's impossible. Nobody can ever, has ever, or will ever do the works of the law in 100% success. Except for one. Except for one. His name is Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, verse 12, in chapter 3, verse 12, yet the law, the law, the law of Moses is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. And the man who has done them, the only man, is Jesus Christ, innocent, the lamb without blemish. Nothing mangy. You see? Hearken to our study in Leviticus. How many times did you hear it say, nothing mangy, nothing mangy, nothing mangy? The lamb without blemish. Absolutely not mangy. Perfect. Sinless. A propitiation for our sins. That's what Paul is saying here. The liberty which we have in Christ. You see? And he says this. He says in verse 3, he is he who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Now in verse 4, it's sad because we know in, 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 in chapter 4, verse 19, he says, My little children whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed. And he speaks of the saints in Galatia like they're his own children. Like he gave birth to them. And he says this in verse 4, you have become estranged from Christ. How sad is that? You've become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. You know what that means? You are outside of Christ. That's not a good place to be. The safest place to be is 
inside of Christ and being attempting to being just to be justified by the law, you are outside of Christ. You are estranged from him. Now you see the trap that is set before all believers, one of many traps. You have fallen from grace. These are saints. The saints in Galatia were going to the law. They were starting to do the works of the law. In chapter 4, in verse 9, Paul asks a question. How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. That's what Paul says to these beautiful, beautiful saints who are being seduced into the law. Say, wait a second, the law is in the Bible. Absolutely, the law is in the Bible, but it's right smack dab in the middle of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. The promise to Abraham, not the promise to Moses. The promise to Abraham. You see? He says this in verse 5, for we, the inclusion of himself, for we, through the Spirit, now this is the same Spirit which is in the hearts. Remember chapter 4, verse 6, God has sent forth his, the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, that Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We, he says in chapter 5, verse 5, we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And you know what's required? Circumcision. In Christ, it's the only way a female can be circumcised because it's not of the flesh. It's of the heart. Listen to our study through Romans and you'll understand. By faith. You see? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Emphasis on in Christ. But faith working through love. How it translates? Faith active through love. And remember, we've studied Corinthians now, so we know that love is the greatest gift. If you haven't, if you're listening for the first time, listen to our study to Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, you'll understand. Faith working through love or faith active through love. And this is sad in verse seven. You ran well. Past tense. You ran well. That's Remember, Remember, he's speaking to his spiritual children. You ran well, saints. And that breaks my heart because it's past tense. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? It's almost verbatim what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. Who has bewitched you? Who has seduced you? Who has cast you under a spell that you should not obey the truth? In chapter 3, verse 1. Who is it? Who is this? Point, point this guy out to me. Who is he? Who has bewitched you? Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? Remember what he says of himself in chapter uh, 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 1, verse 8. If we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. The inclusion of himself. You see? But no, the Pseudadelphos comes in obedient to their father, Lucifer. And they attempt to bring saints into bondage. It's a trap. And then you have all the so-called pastors who say, oh yeah, let's just love on this guy and let, let God take care of the rest. Well, God is taking care of it through Vessel Paul. You see? 
In chapter 5, verse 7, you ran well, past tense. Not you're running well. You're running beautifully. No, you ran well, past tense. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now we know that it's the false brethren, the pseudodelphos, servants of Satan, ministers of Satan who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. Listen to our study through 2 Corinthians. In verse 8, he says this, This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. It's not of the Lord. Oh, you're so mean-spirited. You're so mean-spirited. How is that mean-spirited? How? It's not of the Lord. The pseudodelphos, not of the Lord. The ministers of Satan, not of the Lord. And they attempt to bring saints into bondage. And you want that to happen? You're going to let that happen, pastor? You see? You're going to let that happen, elder? We have to understand the scriptures. We have to be Bereans. And remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. This persuasion, this desire to go into the law, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. It is not of the Lord. And if it's not of the Lord, who is it from then? You see? It's satanic. It's demonic. Servants of Satan. And they desire to bring you into bondage because Satan knows he's going to burn in hell. And what Satan wants to do, he wants to drag you with him. He can't get you with the crack. He can't get you with the sex. He can't get you with the drugs. He can't get you with the alcohol, the works, the things of the flesh. He can't get you with those things. He knows that you love the Lord. He knows that you fear the Lord. And he can't get, for some, for the majority, he can get, he can get through those things. He can get men and women through the sex and the drugs and the alcohol. He can eat a piece of cake for him. But for those who love the Lord and fear the Lord, he changes his angle. And what he does is he comes to attack you using the Bible. No, oh, don't you look, the God, the Bible says here in Deuteronomy, look, you know, if you want things to be right with you, if you want to increase, then okay, now you got to do these laws and these statutes and you got to perform them. You got to do them. And the unsuspecting Christian buys into it. Not understanding or forgetting. Do not forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. In chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? The law of Moses. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. And we live in a day and age where the seed has come 2,000 years ago. Give or take a couple years. Born of a virgin. Love came down in the form of a child. You see, and so now we look at chapter five, understanding that in verse eight, this persuasion does not come from the Lord who calls you. And what he says to the saints in Corinth, he also says to the saints in Galatia, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Remember, to whom is given much more is required. Now, remember the grade scale that we had? How many times did you, in our studies through first and second Corinthians, how many times did you hear us liken it to First grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, five, six, seven. How many times till I was blue in the face we said these things? Until you were blue in the ears, you heard these things. But it's for a reason. First grade, the attack is going to come. Second grade, the attacks will be there. Third grade, attacks. Fourth grade, attacks. Fifth, attacks. We still move on to perfection, but the attacks will never cease. Leaven will present itself in 
all shapes and sizes. It will be the sex. It will be the drugs. It will be the alcohol. Leaven will present itself and it will even be the law. The law. Remember, bondage comes in all shapes and sizes. It can be the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, but it can also be the Torah, the law of Moses. Because righteousness doesn't come through the law. It comes through Christ. And only in Christ. Till the seed has come. And Satan will go to people and whisper in your ear. Oh, look, do these things of Moses. Look at Horeb, it's so beautiful. Look at Mount Sinai, it's so beautiful. No, that's the mountain of death. In the law is death. There's a better mountain. You see, there's a better mountain. We studied that last week. Verse 26 of chapter 4, but the Jerusalem above is free. Now we get into chapter 5, verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. In Corinth, the leaven there was the works of the flesh. Those who were three years deep, they were believers, but for three years, no repentance, no correction. You know, they were sex heads in year one, sex heads in year two, sex heads in year three. Druggies, alcohols, alcoholics, you know, all these works of the flesh, the revilers extortion, all these works of the flesh. And Paul says, okay, we're three years deep. Now it's identified. Now they've had plenty of opportunity. Now they're leavened. Now separate from them. And now this separation has happened in Corinth. And now there's still chastisement for this remnant, but they're growing, they're maturing. You see? And so now when we get into 2 Corinthians, there's still, there's correction that needs to happen because these preconceived notions of these former babies, they're maturing, but the attacks still come. Now the leaven in Galatia with these saints, it's not the works of the flesh, like in Corinth, but it is a form of the flesh. It's the law. A little leaven leavens the bunch. And remember, you say, well, wait a second, how can it be an a, a, a example of the flesh? Well, remember what we studied last week in chapter 4, verse 23? The one who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. You see? How many times in our study through the Old Testament, and especially in the Torah, do you, you hear us mention all the time till we're blue in the face until you're blue in the ears? Observe Israel according to the flesh. According to the flesh, 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 according to the flesh. What about you and me? According to the Spirit. According to the Spirit. Abiding in Christ in the new covenant. And so we see verse 9, chapter 5, a little leaven leavens the lump. The whole lump. You see? And so we see here in verse 10, I have confidence in you, in the Lord. I love that so much because it's all, you know, in the Lord, in the Lord. That you will have no other mind, the desire that Paul has for his spiritual children to be one in Christ. Now, I have to give a little word of warning here because in these last days, the mother of harlots wants unity as well. 
So many people are crying out, church unity, church unity, church unity. But I say unity into what? Unity into what? Unity with the grave soakers? Sorry, that's unbiblical. That's an abomination before the Lord. Unity with that? I don't want unity with that. And I don't want you to have unity with that. You see? Unity with the money preachers? No, I'm sorry. That's not... I, I love you. I'm not trying to be divisive, but there's no unity in that. The Bible urges us, do not have unity with that. Remember Paul in uh, Romans chapter 16? He says in Romans 16 verse 17, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. Not just for the sake of divisions and offenses. He says, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. Contrary to the doctrine which you learned. Where do you see grave soaking in the Bible? Where do you see the Holy Spirit as glitter in the Bible? Where do you see replacement theology in the Bible? Where do you see the mark of the beast as being okay to take in the Bible? You see, where do you see the money preachers in the Bible? I mean, you see the money preachers in the Bible, but it's a stern warning against them. Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. They're deceivers. You see, another Jesus, another spirit, a different gospel. And the people buy into it. Hook, line, and sinker. They got a hook in their jaw. I can't tell you how many times I meet up with Christians and boom, I see a big fat hook in their jaw. And it kills me. It breaks my heart. We are free in Christ. Now, a lot of times people say, well, you know, I know we're free in Christ, but I don't like what I see. I go to church and it looks like I'm at the club. You know, the ladies dress like this and they, I feel like I'm at a nightclub. I, I, the guys, they behave like this. I feel like I'm at a nightclub. Hey, I get it. I get it. It is abhorrent to you. It hurts you in your soul. But in that you can rejoice. Not in that fellowship. I'm not saying, hey, you know, that's the church. I'm saying that's the state of apostasy. Leave. Leave. Find a new teacher. Find a new pastor. You see? And that unity, unity of the remnant. Not unity with the grave soakers, not unity with those who, you know, they, they, they speak all these big fanciful words and they're seducing and deceiving. That's what Paul says in Romans 16. By smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, it is beautiful to be simple. Very beautiful to be simple. But you must have a good teacher. <laughs> you must have a good pastor. Who watches out for your soul. You see. Watches out for your soul. Not your livelihood. You know. Not. There's an aspect of that too. But I'm talking deeper. Who watches out for your soul. Before the Lord. Find that pastor. Find that teacher. It, it's going to be hard in the last days. It will be hard to find such men. No women. Pastors. Elders, always male. Females can be teachers, but not in a pastor capacity, not in an elder capacity, biblically. If you see that, run. 
That's entering apostasy. You're seeing more churches doing that today, citing the Me Too movement. It's apostasy. These things are prophesied to happen. You see? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you, Paul says, about the law. A little leaven leavens the whole bunch, he says in chapter 5, verse 9 of Galatians. He says, I have confidence you in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. He desires unity among the saints, but it must be unity according to the doctrine, according to sound doctrine. Not unity with the mother of harlots and not unity with her offspring. Because in these last days, the mother of harlots will emerge crying out for unity. And you know what will happen among churches? They'll desire that as well. But it's a trap. And they buy into it. That's what happens when you have a defunct pastor, a defunct elder. That's what happens. Because they don't have eyes to see. They don't have ears to hear. But the remnant is different. He says this in verse 10, But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Who is it that's... Who is it that's... Remember verse 7, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Who has bewitched you? Who has seduced you and put you under a spell that you should not obey the truth? Who is it? Who is the pseudodephos in Galatia? Who is the minister of Satan in Galatia? Who is it? Point him out to me. I want to know who he is. And Paul says in verse 20, verse 10, He who troubles you shall, shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach the circumcision, remember, that's what he did in his old nature before he came to Christ. A Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel, he says, why do I still suffer persecution? Why do I still suffer persecution? Because, you know, imagine the pseudodelphos coming in, the false brethren, the minister of Satan, Oh, look, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Look, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a, a student of Gamaliel. So since Paul was like that, let's also, let's study like the Pharisees and let's do the law. Let's be circumcised. And, you know, if you're male, be circumcised. And then if you are, you know, we got to do the law of Moses. Remember in our introduction, we looked at the first Hebrew roots movement in the Bible, which came in the church. We studied the book of Acts and we see what happens. These Pharisees who believed in Jesus Christ, but they took it upon themselves. Well, number one, they believed in Jesus Christ, which is good. But then number two, the bad thing is they didn't let go of the law. They did not let go of the law. They took it upon themselves to start going to churches and saying, hey, you got to be circumcised and you got to do the works of, Mo uh, of Moses. The law. The first Hebrew roots movement in the Bible. And Paul put an end to that. Barnabas, James, Peter, they put an end to that. The council, they put an end to that. And yet here it is. It's rising up again in Galatia. Who is this guy? Point him out to me. Who is he? Where is he? They want to say that, you know, I, from Paul's perspective, I'm a former Pharisee of Pharisees, and that's what they're using to trick you to go to the law. Who is this guy? Point him out to me. Who is this wolf? Who is this minister of Satan? Who is it that has bewitched you from obeying the truth? Who is it that has hindered you from obeying the truth? You ran well. And I don't want you to stop running saints in Galatia. That's what Paul is saying. 
He says, if I still, in verse 11, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. You see? And I, I'll say this. When the offense of the cross has ceased, you will also find the apostate. When the offense of the cross has ceased, you will also find the apostate. You know why? Because the cross is offensive. The cross is very offensive because he confronts the natural man. The natural man, the natural woman cannot receive these things of the spirit. That's why you see churches being homogenized in these last days. Look at what's being welcomed into the church. Oh yeah, we'll accept this, we'll accept that. No big deal. You look inside the church, you look inside the world, and you see no difference. No difference whatsoever. One of the signs of the last days. And you know what? what is written in Revelation? Jesus Christ, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear me, I will come in and sup with you. A lot of times that is used as an evangelistic evangelistic to tell people that the Lord stands at their heart and knocks and if you hear I will come in and sup with you and absolutely absolutely but what is written in Revelation I stand at the door and knock and if you hear I will come in and sup with you that is written to a church a church believers in Jesus Christ now my question is this What in the world is Jesus Christ doing on the outside? Why is Jesus Christ on the outside? Why does he have to knock? Why? What has happened? Remember our study on Wednesday? We look at the the inch and a half between uh, Deuteronomy and Amos. And we look in my Bible about an inch and a half. Inch, inch and a half. If you squeeze it tightly, an inch. But your Bible might be an inch, might be two inches. Maybe three inches. I don't know. Big text. What happened, Israel? What happened, Israel? Now, look at the Gospels. And look at Revelation. In the Gospels, Jesus Christ, the book of Acts, Jesus Christ on the inside. Revelation, Jesus Christ on the outside. What happened, church? What happened, saints? What happened, Christians? Jesus Christ didn't let go. He's knocking. You know what happened? The Christians walked away. The Christians left him. And however means it happened, maybe it was a seduction of the flesh. Maybe it was a seduction of the law, which is vicariously the flesh. It's a trap. They were under attack and they didn't even realize that they left Christ. You see? No, the cross is very offensive. Never, ever, ever, ever homogenize the message of the cross. It is very, very offensive. Remember when you know the gospel was presented to the religious leaders and they were cut to the heart? And the gospel was presented to the average Joe and they also were cut to the heart. That's what the truth of the gospel does. It cuts the heart deep down to the marrow. It cuts deep. And the religious leaders, when they were cut to the heart, They wanted to kill the messenger. 
the average Joes, when they were cut to the heart, the message was received and they repented and received Jesus Christ and received the Spirit. You see? Never ever can decode the gospel. It's painful. People tell me all the time, oh, you know, don't use scare tactics to bring people to Christ. Well, outside of Christ, it's pretty scary. I, you know, I read the Bible and, you know, I, outside of Christ, this, I mean, speaking to Christians, Paul is writing to Galatians, the saints, Christians. He says to them in verse 4, you are, you have become estranged from Christ. You attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. I don't know about you, but that's, to me, that's scary. I don't want that for anybody. Because outside of Christ, there is no salvation. And if there is no salvation, you know what that means? Second death. You know what that means? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what that means? Lake of fire. That's scary. I don't get it. You know, people, oh, don't use scare tactics. Don't talk about hell to bring people to Christ. Okay, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not selling magazines, you know, I'm not selling, you know, about the, you know, New York Times bestseller magazines or books. I'm not, you know, I'm not selling, you know, uh, candy door to door. I'm not selling coupon books. No, the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't peddled like mere mortals. It's a free gift offered to all, everybody. But not everybody receives. Not everybody receives. You see? Very interesting. The cross is highly offensive. The gospel is highly offensive. You will be cut to the heart when you hear the gospel, the true gospel. You will be cut to the heart and it will be painful. And you might hate the messenger, but he's just the messenger. She's just the messenger. Or you might love the message. And if that's you, you receive Jesus Christ right here, right now. Straight up, right here, right now. What's stopping you? You hit pause right now and you search and you look for the other message. It's called... How to commit your life to Jesus Christ. How to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you listen and you do just that. You commit your life to Jesus Christ. If you're lukewarm, you commit your life to Jesus Christ. If you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement, you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Be free, not under bondage. Let those shackles be broken. When you come to Christ, the Lord is free. Where there is peace, where there is joy. And Paul says this in verse 12. He says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves all off. Translates as mutilate and amputate. You see? Who is this guy? Who, who is the Sudadelphos? Who is it that has bewitched you? Who is it that hinders you, saints in Galatia, my spiritual children? Who is it? You see? Remember when Paul spoke of his godly jealousy in 2 Corinthians? In 2 Corinthians where he says, in 2 Corinthians 11, 
Verse 12, I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's his goal. He cares for the souls of Corinth. He cares for the souls of Galatia. He speaks of the Corinthian saints as his spiritual children. He speaks of the Galatian saints as his spiritual children. Who has bewitched you? Who is the Pseudodelphos? Who is this false brother? Who is this minister of Satan? In chapter 5, verse 12, Galatians, he says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off, that they would mutilate and amputate themselves. You see? I don't want you to be the leaven. I don't want you to be cut off. I want that person to be cut off. And I would wish that they who trouble you would even cut themselves off. You see? And these servants of Satan, they're on a mission. They're on a mission given to them by their father, Lucifer. Their father, the devil, who was a murderer from the beginning. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to drag you to hell. You see? And yet we fight. The good fight. But we fight. He says in verse 13, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, I don't want to lord over anybody's faith, but if you have a highlighter, highlight that. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Highlight that. If you're willing highlight that because that's a big problem in the church today oh i'm free i'm free in christ and praise be to the lord i'm free in christ come on let's go do crack oh i'm free in christ praise be to the lord hallelujah come on let's go to the strip club let's go gambling afterwards doesn't work that way doesn't work that way no we come to christ we believe in jesus christ and we move on to perfection we grow, we mature, we move on to perfection. We don't move on to sin. That's going backwards. That's being entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We move on to perfection. Don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, he says in verse 13, but through love. This is the same means of active faith. Remember verse 6? But faith working through love, faith active through love. Well, this same love, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit and the greatest gift, I might add. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 13. In verse 13, he says this, But through love, serve one another. Serve one another. Koinonia. Ecclesia. You see? Hagios. Serve one another. Now, I'm going to say this. It's kind of controversial, but I'll say this. It's not serve the community. You see? Remember, I'm not trying to say that serving the community is a bad thing per se, but 
I mean, if the Lord is calling you to serve the community, well, always remember that any type of ministry, there must be a door and that door is Christ. And once a person takes that door, there must be the means by which that soul can grow and mature in Christ. That's biblical evangelism. You see, that's biblical evangelism. People say, oh, I'm in ministry, I'm in ministry, I feed the homeless, and look, I'm in ministry. Okay, is, is, the, is the gospel given? No, 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 but I feed the homeless. Okay, you're you're feeding people's bellies, and I, I get that, but is, is the gospel even given? No, 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 we don't teach the gospel. You know, that we, we want to be uh, friendly with the world. Well, fr- friendliness with the world is enmity with God. The offense, when the offense of the cross has ceased, you'll also find the apostate. Oh, I feed the homeless. It's my ministry. It's my ministry. Okay, that's that's serving the community. You're you're no better than Habitat for Humanity. They serve the community. You see, Meals on Wheels. Serving the community. Oh, but I'm helping. I'm helping people. They're hungry. I'm helping people. Well, I mean, it just so happens that we studied, you know, hunger on Wednesday. The Lord uses that. And I'm not trying to come against those ministries. But if it's a ministry of the Lord, there must be a door. And that door is Jesus Christ. That's evangelism. You see? And listen, well, we've mentioned it before. But in John 6, read John chapter 6 and count the people. Because in John 6, you'll see thousands and thousands and thousands of people at the very beginning. And at the end of John 6, you'll see 12. What happened? <laughs> From tens and thousands, I mean, like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people to 12? What happened? Because the Lord Jesus Christ fed the multitudes. And praise be to the Lord. You know, it's beautiful. He fed the multitudes. But then they continued to follow him. And he turns around and says, you're, you're not following me because... Of your hearts, you're following me because of your bellies. And then people were offended, and they started to leave him. And he traverses the area over water, and does these things, and goes here. And finally, he turns to the disciples, which aren't thousands; they're hundreds. He teaches more. Does this offend you? And yes, many were offended, and people stopped following Jesus that day. Disciples, people who believed in him that he was the Messiah, and they stopped following him. Except 12. Thousands became 12. What happened? John 6. And I'm not saying, you know, feeding the homeless feeding the homeless is a bad thing. If the Lord has called you to that, praise be to the Lord. But when the Lord calls, there must also be a door. There must also be the He must be presented. These are things which ministries, there are beautiful ministries which evangelize and they they present the door and people come to Christ. And once they come to Christ, they must mature in Christ. Now, there are also poisonous ministries, which people come to Christ, but then now they send them out to the Lutherans, the Episcopals, the the Catholics. They send them over here. They send them over there. Well, there's no growth in that. That's dangerous. It's not biblical. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not a, it's not a sales pitch. That's a cheap gospel when the gospel is a sales pitch. 
Oh, we don't want to, we don't want to talk about hell because, you know, we like to homogenize things. We want it to be a palatable for the average Joe, the average Jane. We want it to be palatable for them. So we don't talk about hell. What? The cross is very, very, very offensive. And do not use liberty. Look, verse 1. Stand fast, be immovable in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. But in that liberty, verse 13. Do not use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He doesn't say serve the community. And I'm not, you know... Uh, this isn't a, like bash the community. The community needs Christ. But he says, serve one another. In the book of Acts, remember when the uh, famine came and Agabus, the prophet? What happened? The saints took care of the saints. They didn't take care of the community. The saints took care of the saints. There's evangelism, of course. Look at Philip, the ministry of Philip. But it's serving one another. And in these last days, Satan is going to have a lot of wins. A lot of wins. You know why? Because what is? look at the state of the church today. Yes, the church is in a state of craziness. But because of lockdowns, churches have been shut down. And look what's happening among the saints. Churches are shut down. They had this regular, regular... Manusha of, you know, oh, it's church Sunday. Let's go to church. Let's get dressed up. We're going to go to church. Okay, it's Wednesday. We're going to get dressed up. We're going to go to church. You know, it's a church night. We're going to do this. Okay, church. And now that is stopped. Churches have shut down. Now look what's happening. Saints are becoming anemic in these last days. Falling asleep in these last days. And even that is prophesied to happen. The state of the church won't be pretty in the last days. It will be pretty in the end. It will be beautiful in the end. But for the wise virgins, not all. You see? And so now we see this in verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, in one logos. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is what is written in Matthew 22. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love people. And Jesus Christ says, on these two hang all the laws and all the law and prophets. Now, to love your neighbor as yourself, in order for this to happen, a man needs a new heart. In order for this to happen, a woman needs a new heart. And I only know of one who gives a new heart. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. He says this in verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Remember, church unity is a beautiful thing. And here in verse 15, we see an example of, wait a second, maybe maybe these saints in Galatia can turn into a loveless church. One of the signs of the last days in Revelation is a loveless church. Okay, so now in order to remedy this, in order to prevent this from happening, we have to have church unity, unit, unity with the Episcopals, unity with the Lutherans, unity with, you know, uh, the Catholics, unity with it. Wait a second, hold on. Remember Romans 16? Contrary to the doctrine. If it is contrary to the doctrine, 
We don't, it's not unity with everybody. It's unity among the saints in accordance to sound doctrine, where the real Jesus is, where the real gospel is, where the real spirit is, not the foe, not the fake, not the phony. The Pseudadelphos presents the phony. The ministers of Satan present the phony. And in the last days, there will be many Christs. In order for there to be many Christs, there have to be many false prophets, false teachers. In accordance to a different spirit. But the spirit of our Lord, the real Lord, Genesis to Revelation, the word became flesh, the real Logos. We abide in him. You see? And that's where it is safe. Koinonia the Ecclesia. The Hagios. Be very careful with verse 15 because a lot of people, they see verse 15, they say, well, I don't want to devour one another and I don't want to be consumed by one another. So I want to have peace with this person. I'm going to have peace with the grave soakers. I'm going to have peace with the person who says it's okay to take the mark of the beast. I want to have peace with the, you know, the glitter. They call the glitter the Holy Spirit. And I want to have peace with the replacement theology. That's a different gospel. Those are things that are presented in accordance to a different spirit, not the spirit of the Lord. I want to have unity with the Hebrew roots movement. No, 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 no. That's a, who has bewitched you? Who has seduced you? Who has cast a spell under you? Who, who, who has cast a spell on you? You're estranged from Christ. You attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. And you want to have unity with that? No, 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 no. You have to understand the scriptures. And Paul says this. I say then in verse 16, I say then walk in the spirit. Remember, this is the same spirit in chapter 4 verse 6, which is in your hearts crying out, Abba, Father, that same spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit who in verse 5, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, that same spirit, Paul is saying, walk in the spirit in verse 16, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, you see, people say, oh, we're all sinners, listen, Absolutely, we are. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. But we can sin less and less and less and less and less and less as we mature and grow in Christ. A lot of times, Christians, pastors, elders, they, we say, they say, we're all sinners. And I wonder, I wonder if it's a cop-out. Oh, we're all sinners. Oh, look, I did crack. We're all sinners. Oh, look, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. Look, I went to the strippers. Oh, we're all sinners. Oh, look, you know, we're Christians. We're all saved by grace. And, you know, I did the pornography. I went to the strip club. I went, I did the crack. I did the occult. I did these things. Oh, we're all sinners. I wonder if it's a cop out for those who use their liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, something which ought not be done. Remember Jesus Christ, when Mary held on to him, he says, Mary, you gotta let go of me because I have not yet ascended to my father. And when I ascend to my father, I'm gonna send the helper, 
capital H, the helper, the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are not walking in the spirit. A lot of people are walking in religion and religion cannot save you. Religion cannot help you in your hour of need. Religion cannot help you when you need help. But when you walk in the spirit, when you have the helper, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because he's helping you. A lot of times people think of the Holy Spirit as, okay, you know, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Well, what about before the sin? What about before people? Oh, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. How come? Well, I did my crack. I did my sex. I did my drugs. I did my alcohol. And now I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, okay. I get that. And praise the Lord that you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because if you didn't, then, you know, I would question. But let's make sure. Do you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Or do you feel bad because you've been caught? Ooh, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. But maybe it's because I've been caught. Okay. Now it, that presents another... Another matter. <laughs> Remember the Holy Spirit skipped Simon. Listen to our study through the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit skipped Simon. Why? Wickedness. Wickedness. He believed in Jesus Christ. He was among believers. He received Jesus Christ through the evangelist Philip. But what happened? What happened with Simon? Why did the Holy Spirit skip him? Why did the Holy Spirit, the Christians, a body of Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, they received Jesus Christ. And Philip gave them Jesus Christ and they received him. And Simon was included. But then a different Simon comes to town. His name is Peter. And he perceived that the Holy Spirit had not fallen yet on any of them. And he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Except for one and peter proceed for this one his name is simon that he was wicked repent from this your wickedness he tells him the holy spirit knew you see now a lot of times christians we start to speak about oh you know we're all sinners i did my crack we're all sinners we're saved by grace i did my sex we're all sinners saved by grace i did my drugs my alcohol we're all sinners saved by grace yeah i worship buddha and we're all sinners saved by grace but no it doesn't work that way but i feel the conviction of the holy spirit okay is it the conviction of the holy spirit or do you feel that way because you've been caught that's not the same just so you know that's not the same the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of being caught, those aren't the same. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, yes, it is beautiful. But next time, because there will be a next time, because you, we have millions and trillions of forks in the road every single day. The next time, instead of feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, feel the help of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus Christ says, you know, Mary, let go of me because I haven't yet ascended to my Father. And when I send to my Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I want you to have the Holy Spirit as a helper. To help. You see? And so a lot of times Christians, they, they start to think, okay, religion. They start to apply religion to something that is completely supernatural. Relying on the helper. 
the Holy Spirit to help. Oh, you know what? My friends are calling me. They want to go to the strip club. They want to do these things. And instead of repenting the next day because you went to the strip club, got drunk, got baked, did all these stupid things. Instead of repenting for that conviction. How about when your friend calls you, you say, okay, I'll call you back. And you hang up on the phone and then you fall on your face before the Lord. Lord, these guys have been my friends forever. I don't know what to do, Lord. These guys have been my friends forever, and I like them. We laugh, and you know, I, 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 I just, I, I, they're my friends, and I want to hang out with them. But then they go to the strip club. What do I do, Lord? I need your help. You know what's going to happen? Well, the Holy Spirit might do a little convicting at that time, but He's He will help you. As surely as the Lord lives, He, the Holy Spirit, will help you. And you're going to call your friend and say, hey, you know what? Sorry, I'm not going. I'm not going. And you hang up the phone. And, you know, a little Bible study. Call somebody else. Call another friend. Or you know what happens? It, it just so happens the Lord is in the business of establishing divine appointments. You know what's going to happen? Most likely, it is highly likely that your phone is, you're going to hang up at the phone and you know, hey, I'm sorry, I can't go to the strip club. I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm a Christian now. So no, that's the old me. I'm not going to do that now. You're going to hang up. And because you sought the helper, the Holy Spirit, you're going to hang up the phone. Boom. And you're going to feel kind of bad. Like, you know, I'm not going to be with my friends anymore. And then the phone's going to ring. Because supernaturally, the helper is also helping other people. And the helper is going to move in the heart of another guy who's going to call you and say, hey, you know what? I just came across your number, you know, and I got the munchies. You know, you want to go get a, get a burger? And okay, yeah. And you go get a burger, have a conversation, have a nice time of fellowship. You pray, you open up your Bibles, you read the Bible. You have a nice hamburger, some fries, good soda. And it's going to be a beautiful time of fellowship. You see what the Holy Spirit... People don't... A lot of people... And I'll say this. A lot of people in the Reformed and Calvinistic camp. They say that the moving of the Holy Spirit, what we see in the book of Acts, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. But they do so at their own peril. They teach such things to their own peril because you'll never find an expiration date on the moving and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Never. Now, what you will see is an abuse of those things, but you'll never see. That's that's another subject matter. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. That's another subject matter. But you will not find an expiration date on the moving and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Never. And such people make excuses for their own lack of power. And it's not their power. It's the power of the Lord through the Spirit. And that's what happens. That's that's walking in the Spirit. We walk by faith. Not by sight. I meant for the Christian. It's like putting on a blindfold and knowing that that is clearer vision than having no blindfold. Because we walk by faith. Using our eyes to see and ears to hear, spiritually speaking. 
That's walking according to the Spirit and walking, not just according to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. A lot of times what happens with Christians, oh, I got this habitual sin, I got this habitual sin, I got this habitual sin, oh, but we're all sinners, you know, we're saved by grace, we all sin, we all sin. Yes, I get it, we all sin, but we can sin less and less and less. I mean, if you're in sin and it's the same sin year after year after year after year after year after year after year, I love you. You're not walking in the spirit. Point blank. In fact, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And I'll say this. If the Holy Spirit is in you. And I don't say that to hurt you. I don't say that to cause pain and discomfort in you. But we have to be straight up. I don't want a candy coat either. I don't want to homogenize a message to make you feel good. I want you to feel good, but biblically speaking, the only way you or me will feel good is through obedience. That's the only way, through obedience. Where there is disobedience, if you're like me, you're going to feel like a dirtbag. Where there is dirt, where there is disobedience. Which says what? Choose obedience. And if you're caught up in what they call habitual sin. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're not walking in the Spirit. And I say this because I love you. You need to change your ways. And it could be, and I hope it's not, it could be that you do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that's not the case. But it could be. If it is the case, you need to pray. You need to pray. And not just, you know, like, you know, oh, I'm going to go to the strip club. You say a quick prayer and then you go to the strip club. No, I mean, like, no strip club, no crack, no meth. Oh, you know, but it's legalized. I can do my magic mushrooms. That's nice. Don't do the magic mushrooms. Pray. Seek the face of the Lord. And he he knows the hearts of men and women, boys, girls, old people, young people. He knows. He is sovereign. And you seek his face. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. And the Lord knows. But there's a lot of Christians today who are in big trouble because either they don't have the Holy Spirit or they're grieving the Holy Spirit or they have very little oil, if any oil. And the restrainer will be lifted one day. And you know who's going to have the Holy Spirit? Those who have stored their oil. We need to be get started Today, right here, right now, store your oil. If you don't have oil, get oil. How do you get oil? Seek the face of the Lord. Light for the dark. In verse 16, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I'll say this. Remember how I said, urge, I don't want to lord over anybody. I do not want that. But I urge you in verse 14 or in verse uh, 13 to highlight, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but also highlight, if you are willing, highlight verse 16, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see? Now we see this example, I shouldn't say example, 
Look what Paul says here in verse 17. He says this, For the flesh lusts against the spirit. We see this war that rages within. And we must make the distinction between flesh and spirit. Is this of the flesh? Is this of the spirit? We must make those distinctions. And you must ask yourself, well, why? What was the motivation behind XYZ decisions? What was the motivation behind this and that and this ABC? One, two, three. What was the motivation? Was it carnal? Was it of the flesh? And if the answer is yes, we, yes, we, we must repent and learn to walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Because the flesh lusts against the spirit in verse 17 and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, opposite one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You see, it's the war within. Remember, the work must be done in, then through. Remember our study through First and Second Corinthians? The work inside the heart of a man, inside the heart of a woman. The Lord gives us a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. And it's so powerful. Because when that, remember, Satan will fight tooth and nail to prevent that from happening. And it's so powerful because we learn to walk in the spirit. We learn to walk according to the spirit and in the spirit. And knowing about this war that rages within, Paul says this in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So yes, we abide in Christ where there is no law. We are free in Christ. But that doesn't give license. Okay, we're free in Christ, so let's go to the strip club. Okay, we're free in Christ, so let's do crack. It's the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. Oh, we're free in Christ, so, you know, let's do our pornography. Let's do our occult. Let's be tax cheats. Let's be revilers. Let's be extortioners. Let's go gambling. We're free in Christ. No. No. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So you see, the Lord raises the bar a little bit. Yes, we abide in Christ. And in abiding in Christ, many people, they do so for the sake of religion, but it's not religion. There's no help in religion. There's no helper with religion. It's relationship. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the helper who helps us. Yes, the Holy Spirit convicts, And a lot of times people, they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit after the wrong is done. The wrong is done. Oh, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you know, I'm glad you feel the conviction. Let's repent. Let's get you cleaned up. Praise be to the Lord. Okay, not to take advantage of his grace. You know, does that mean that we should sin more so that grace can abound? No way, exclamation point. Paul says that. Listen to our study through Romans. Oh, I feel like a dirt bag. You know, look, I did this sin and I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Is it the conviction of the Holy Spirit or do you feel that way because somebody caught you? You were caught in your sin. Your sin surfaced to the point where people can see it and it is evident. And now you feel like a dirt bag because the people see. Because if that's the case, if that's the case, that is not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if it's not the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Where is the Holy Spirit? Do you even have the Holy Spirit? 
Do you even believe in Jesus Christ? These are hardcore questions and I'm asking them point blank because we have to make this distinction so that we can make a choice. Not just, you know, oh, we got to make an informed decision. No, forget that. This is deep. This is deep. We're talking eternity here. And if you're listening and you're coming to the realization that you're lukewarm, as I once did, I tell you these things from experience. I'm not telling, oh, the guy on TV said this, so I think I'm going to say this to you. No, I'm telling you from experience. I walk this path. And I don't want anybody to grow in the Lord and, and come to Christ the path that I did. It was very painful. I want people to grow in the Lord in a much safer way. A much, much safer way. I don't want anybody to come to Christ on the path that I took or the path that the Lord dragged me, you know, a little bit. (laughs) He messed me up a little bit. He humbled me. I don't want anybody to go down that road. And so I tell you these things from experience, not so you can make an informed decision. Of course, an informed decision, but we got to deal with some very serious subject matter here, which is your salvation, your eternal destination. Paradise is at stake. Oh, you're too hardcore. You're too hardcore. You know, I don't like how you say it like this. What are you talking about? How could you, how could a soul not be hardcore about paradise? You see, I get these arguments all the time. Oh, you're too hardcore. You're too mean spirited. What? Against the servants of Satan? Absolutely. Wolves must be killed. Metaphysically speaking, but wolves must be killed straight up. You see? We must be a people who learns how to walk in the spirit. Not I'm not speaking like textbook instructions, you know, like, you know, you open up an instruction manual and you follow these instructions and you do this. No, I'm talking about relationship. It's not religion. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, yes, that's beautiful. But then there's the baptism of John, which is the baptism of Jesus, receiving Jesus Christ, believing in him as Lord and Savior. But remember, even Apollos, you know, I, I, I teach the baptism. You know, remember, remember Priscilla and Aquila? You know, but which baptism do you teach? Oh, I only know the baptism of John and Priscilla and Aquila. They didn't say, repent, you're going to burn in hell. They say, no, let, let me teach you some more. Let us teach you some more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Paracletus, the help. You see, not the baptism of John, the, ba- the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And with this Holy Spirit, as is written in chapter 4, verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his sons, of his son, into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit in his temple. Because your body is the temple of the Lord. You are not your own. You belong to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit residing inside. You see? Crying out, Abba, Father. 
And if you are led, yes, we abide in Christ, but when we're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So a lot of times when I have these conversations with the Hebrew Roots Movement people, the pew ones, not the pulpit ones, that's a different category. They're dealt with in another manner, the pulpit ones. <clears throat> but the pew ones, why did you go? I have this conversation. Why did you even enter the Hebrew Roots? Why? Well, I didn't like what the church was doing. I didn't like the, the works of the flesh and it's too carnal. And, you know, the ladies, they dress like they're at the nightclub. Some of them, they dress like they're at the straight up strip club and the guys behave this way. And the it's just a lot of carnality. And okay, I understand. I'm in the same boat. I don't like that either. And you know what? The Lord doesn't like it either. Because if you are abiding in Christ, you are not under the law. But yes, abiding in Christ, but when you are walking in the Spirit and when you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law in verse 18. Now in verse 19, Paul indicates what does that look like, the works of the flesh. He says in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, are made manifest, which are adultery. Boom. The church is in big trouble. The church today is in big trouble. Which, that's just one. That's the verse. The works of the flesh are evident. So he says this in verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay? Praise be to the Lord. I'm abiding in Christ. I, I, I'm led by the Spirit. I'm not under the law. Okay. Praise be to the Lord. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Boom. You see? A lot of people are in trouble. Whew. That's just number one. Now let's look at number two, fornication. Boom, a lot of people are in trouble. I'm talking about Christians inside the church. I'm talking about saints. I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ. Corinth is Corinth. The world is the world. I'm talking about inside fornication, which is porneia. A lot of people are in big trouble. And that's just two uncleanness, lewdness. Oh my goodness, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble, the saints. We're in big trouble. Who are their teachers? Who are their pastors? Who are their elders? Who are these guys? Tell me, point them out to me. I want to know. Who are these people? Do they not even know? This is the works of the flesh. So many times, oh, we're, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're saved by grace. Okay, I get it. But don't use that as an excuse. Don't let that be a cop-out to excuse your own sin, your own carnal nature. Oh, but we're free in Christ. Okay, we're free in Christ, as the Bible says. But let me ask you some questions to some biblical qualifiers here. You're a Christian? Yes. Okay. You go to the strip clubs? Yes. Okay. That you know that that's not walking according to the spirit. And if you're not walking according to the spirit, you're under the law. See, verse 18. If you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Remember, the law is a tutor. Tutor. Remember, I told you I think about the, the nuns. I mean, listen to our study from a couple weeks ago. You'll know what I'm talking about. The law is a tutor. 
to bring us to Christ and sometimes helps keep us in Christ because the law is scary. But we have the helper, the Holy Spirit. Oh, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, another question. Do you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit or do you feel bad because I've been because you've been caught? Okay, you haven't been caught. Okay, I haven't been caught. So now what is that? Okay, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. That means you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But next time, my friend, next time, pray. Pray. Seek the face of the Lord and you pray. You see, it's so beautiful because that's how the Lord works. And the helper will help you. The Lord doesn't call the helper the helper for nothing. The helper is the helper for a reason, because he helps. And he will help you. He will come for you. He'll also, you know, discipline you. He'll also convict you. But he'll also help you. Don't grieve him. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't an it. It's a him, the triune nature of God. And if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. These are things that we must learn to walk in the Spirit, making the distinction between the flesh and the Spirit. All those acts, all those things that you do, that you think, all the, is this the flesh or is it the Spirit? Did I make this decision motivated by the flesh or the Spirit? Did the flesh bring me to this point or did the spirit bring me to this point? Because if it's the flesh, you need to repent and learn to walk according to the spirit. If it's the spirit, praise be to the Lord. Be careful from whom you seek counsel too. Because you go to the Calvinists and the Reformed people, what's going to happen? They're going to say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, that ministry, that was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. So, you know, therefore, we don't do that. And so, you know, their, their compass is religion. That's a bad compass. That compass will fail them. That compass will not lead them into the right direction. That's a carnal compass. That's a compass of the flesh. But the compass of the Spirit will lead to righteousness. You see, the church, we're not, I mean, the church, we just did verse 19. The church today is in trouble. Saints today are in trouble. The works of the flesh are evident in verse 19, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, which is pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacy, also translation, translates as witchcraft, medications, and drugs. The church is in trouble. We're already looking at drugs and pornography. Those are biggies in the church today. You know, you hear me talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and sex, drugs, and alcohol. Those are the three biggies. The three biggies. You know, there's the, there's the, not to say that the others are, you know, not important. You know, the occult and, you know, uh, you know, the, the Ouija boards and the yoga and all that. Those are bad. You know, don't, you know, but the three biggies, sex, drugs, and alcohol. You see, and if you're young, I know that young people, you know, there's this desire, you know, you want to be cool, you want to be with your friends. But stay away from those things. I like to think of like sumo wrestlers. You know, picture a sumo, sumo wrestler grabbing a little two-year-old kid and squeezing that two-year-old kid till he's dead. Squeezing that two-year-old girl till she's dead. You're not going to get out of the, the, gra the grip of a big sumo wrestler. 
you see. Now, if you're sumo, you're listening, and you're a Christian, you know, I'm just giving an example. You know, I love you, but I'm just giving an example. But think of it like that. You look at like a bottle of whiskey, and you think, oh, it's just a bottle of whiskey, but that's a sumo wrestler. That, that is strong. You look at, oh, it's just a, a line of coke, you know, one little line, you know, two inches, cheap, no big deal. But that's a mighty sumo wrestler. You see? Oh, just a strip club, no big deal. Just a little pornography, no big deal. That's a mighty sumo wrestler. And you're just a two-year-old. And that sumo wrestler wants to squeeze the life out of you until you're dead. Sex, drugs, and alcohol. Those are the three big... If you're a teenager, you know, I mean, if you're any age. But I want to isolate the young people. If you're a teenager, stay away from those things. And I tell you from experience, stay away from those things. It is not good for your soul. It is not good for your soul. You say, well, everybody does it. That's nice. That's everybody. I'm speaking to a remnant. And I speak to the living. The Lord didn't call me to teach the dead. I teach the living. And if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The works of the flesh in verse 19 are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, pharmakia, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, which means what? It's repetitive. This isn't new to the saints in Galatia. Paul told them before. I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stop right there for a moment. That's scary. The end of verse 21, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. Whoa. Do you see how scary that is? Oh, wait, when you when you teach the Bible, you know, don't talk about anything scary. Don't talk about hell. Don't talk about, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth because we don't want to scare people to church. What? I was terrified. When I first heard about hell, I mean, the biblical hell, and read it with my own eyes, I was terrified. Worked wonders for me. Here we are. Let me read this again, the end of verse 21. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, but we're all sinners. Oh, it's habitual sin. No big deal. The sex, the drugs, the alcohol. No big deal. It's habitual sin. Look, we're all saved by grace. And look, we're all free in Christ. And have you not read? Oh, but I went to my counselor. My pastor, he counseled me and he said it's okay. I love you, but I have a message for you. Get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. 
We are living in the last days. These are traps. The scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Well, it's up there. Is patrol through a minefield. You don't know where the next step it's going to, you know, forget about yourself. You're more concerned about your friends, the guys with you. Where you one false step and boom, they're dead. It's one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. And that's what the last days is like. Minefield. Except the minds will be exposed through the knowledge of scripture. You'll see the minefield. And you'll urge people, don't step there. Don't walk in that direction. It's dangerous. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to kill those around you. Don't you dare go in that direction. Oh, you're too mean-spirited. It's no big deal. So what? A little sex, a little drugs, a little crack, little strippers, little strip clubs, you know. No big deal. little gambling, little meth. It's the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. No big deal. It's a huge deal, my friend. Because those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, if your Hebrew roots and one of your reasons for going into the Hebrew roots movement was more structure because you see the works of the flesh inside the church and it bothers you. Let me tell you something. It bothers the Lord too. It bothers the Lord too. But you're in the wrong to go to Hebrew roots. You're in the wrong to seek church government in the Calvinist camp, in the reformed camp. You're in the wrong. And I say to all three, Reformed Calvinists and Hebrew roots, come out of my people. Get a new teacher. Abide in Christ and learn to walk in the Spirit. I pray you have the Spirit. And I don't say that to scare you like, okay, I pray you have the Spirit. And you know, if you don't, you know, no big deal. No, it's a huge deal. Seek the face of the Lord and ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because He hears. But He hears knowing your heart. Simon was wicked. He had wickedness in his heart. And the Holy Spirit just, okay, I'm just going to skip Simon. All these other people, okay, boom. Simon, nope. You must seek the face of the Lord and ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people have religion. Oh, but my pastor says it's okay. It's a little habitual sin. And I got I, accountability, church accountability, you know. Men, men, we have these men's group. We need this accountability. We go to these men's group and we have accountability and accountability and accountability. And I feel bad for the wives because I've been in these men's groups. And you know what it is? It's just a big sex fest. That's all it is. I mean, not like, you know, physically, but I'm like, like in speaking, in speech, a lot of men, all they do is talk about all their sex capades. That's, I feel bad for the wives because the wives, they think, oh yeah, my, my husband's having a nice little, you know, men's fellowship and, you know, doing all these things with the guys, church guys, they're Christian guys. So it's nice and safe for my husband. It's nice and safe for my teenage boy. It's nice and safe for my little son. You know, it's nice and safe for them to be under these godly influences. But I've been in these men's groups and you know what's happening? It's a big sexcapade. Everybody talks about, oh, their pornography. Look, I do pornography like this. And look, I went to the strip club. Look, I'm a pastor and I do the strippers. I'm a pastor and I do this. I'm an elder. And look, we're all in the same boat. We have these problems of the flesh. Wives who don't even know about the sexcapades that their husbands are involved with, the prostitutes. A wife who doesn't even know that her husband has been with 30 prostitutes. 30 prostitutes. That was years ago, probably by now, a hundred. And wives, oh yeah, my husband's gonna, 
Nice little men's fellowship. Look, they're going to fellowship and praise be to the Lord. And I'm going to pray for them. Now, for the wife, it's good that you're praying for them. But where, where are they going? If they're under the teaching, the guidance of the defunct, if, if it's under the guidance of the defunct, your husband's in trouble, your son's in trouble, your boys are in trouble. You see, get a new teacher, get a new pastor. Walk in the spirit, learn to walk in the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yes, we're all sinners, but we can sin less and less and less and less. People say, oh, we're all sinners, but you know what happens? They sin more and more and more and more and more. It doesn't work that way. That's the opposite. Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. We're all sinners saved by grace. And look, no big deal. And when you talk about sin, you have like a face-to-face conversation, closed doors, everything's private. And it turns out that the scale of their sin is on the increase. Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ, but you know, look at, I sin like this and I sin like this and every day this and every week that. And look, the strippers, look at the app I have, my Tinder app, you know, all these things. The church is in trouble. The church is in trouble. You know why? Because we're walking according to the flesh. And we need to learn how to walk according to the Spirit. Look at, analyze your choices. Analyze your choices in the last year. Analyze your choices in the last year. The big ones, not like, you know, you took out the trash on a Tuesday. No, the big ones. And then ask yourself this, why? Was it of the flesh or was it of the spirit? Capital S. Did my flesh motivate this? Is this a result of my flesh? Or was it the spirit that motivated this? Is this a result of the spirit? Capital S. The helper. And learn to walk according to the Spirit. Learn. Baby steps. The same way a baby learns how to walk. You, my beautiful friend, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister. We, we need to learn to walk according to the Spirit. Not grieving the Holy Spirit. To identify what the works of the flesh look like. Because these works of the flesh, those who practice those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember, there is a group of people who will say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You know what those workers of iniquity were? Carnal, walking not according to the spirit. They were walking according to the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Now, I used to read this and feel like I was on fire. Like, feel like I was just, I would sweat bullets because I feel like, whoa, somebody lit a fire under my seat. But today, I read these things and I rejoice. Because these things used to be me used to be me in my BC days before Christ and even a little bit in my Christian days. 
but the Lord messed me up. He wrecked shop all over my face, up and down my face. He wrecked me. And I rejoice, but I want nobody to come to Christ on the path that I took. We must learn to walk in the Spirit. Because if we're in a position where we're practicing these things of the flesh, not in the Spirit of the flesh, I love you, but I want verse 21 to terrify you. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I love you. But yet I want that verse to terrify you. Because it terrifies me. I don't want that for you. Oh, but my pastor says, you know, look, I'm a sex head. I do the pornography. I do the strippers. I do the gambling. And my pastor says, it's okay. We do this counseling. He helps me be accountable. Well, he's not that good at accountability. If if this is habitual, he's not that good at accountability. You know who's the best at accountability? The helper, capital H. He is the absolute best at accountability. He'll convict you. He'll convict you hard. But that's after the sin. Before the sin, he'll help you straight up. And when he helps you, you'll learn. You'll grow. You'll detest. Remember what we studied on Wednesday, a couple Wednesdays ago? You'll detest the things, the things that the Lord hates. You'll abhor the things that are detestable to him will be detestable to you. Praise be to the Lord. That means your heart is changing like that of our Lord. When you hate the things that he hates, when you detest the things that he hates, that means that your heart is being changed, being transformed into the image of Christ. That's a good thing. When you move on to perfection, that's a good thing. You see? But if you practice... If you practice these works of the flesh, which are adultery, I'll read it again. Verse 19, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, which is pharmakia, medications and witchcraft. I mean, have you go to the VA hospital and you'll see zombies everywhere because you have these vets. They have the PTSD and they have the PTSD. They go to the doctor. The doctor just here, take this drug. And then they have pain because, you know, they don't have an arm. And so they go to the doctor, doctor, here, take this drug. Now you have drug upon drug upon drug upon drug. And you have these zombies. You see it with kids too. Parents who don't know how to discipline their kids. So here, kids, take this. They go to the doctor. Hey, doctor, I can't control my kids. Well, you know, you should have thought about that before, you know, bada bing happened. But now that bada bing happened, now you got to deal with it. And spare, oh, doc, doctor, doctor, I don't know what to do with my kid. Look, he's rough. He's wild. He does this. He's, you know, jumping off tables and bouncing off walls. He's crazy. Now, here, give your kid this. This is the parents get drug after drug after drug after drug to their kids. Now you see these kids, they're zombies. Look at them. Proof is in the pudding. You don't need me to tell you. Look at it. The proof is there. Observe the fruit. Zombie kids. The church is in trouble. The church is in very serious trouble. Oh, but I went to my pastor and he tells me it's okay. He tells me to just love the Lord. 
to go ahead, you know, it's no big deal. Just love the Lord, you know. Eternal security, once saved, always saved. Get a new teacher. Get a new pastor. You see? One that will help you walk in the Spirit. One that will teach you these things of the flesh are not good. It's not good for your soul. It's not good now in this life, but definitely in the life to come. You know why? Because verse 21, which is terrifying, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, whoa, I thought we were talking about the law, and now we're talking about this these works of the flesh. What are you talking about? I thought, we're, I thought this was about the law of Moses. Come on, we're supposed to be Deuteronomy, Leviticus. That's what's bad. Okay, it is bad. But there's more. There's more. We have liberty in Christ, liberty from the law. But then remember, there's all kinds of bondage. What does bondage look like? For some, it could be sex, drugs, alcohol. For others, it might be the law. And we are, we are free in Christ. But when we're free in Christ, understand that what, what are those things by which we were saved from? You and me, saved from whatever. Works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, adultery, sorcery, hatreds, contentions, jealousy, operas of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me say something else. The church today is in trouble. Absolutely. But I'm going to bring in politics here. The church today over politics politics are getting even crazier at a rapid rate the church today is turning carnal more carnal than they already were observe the flesh i don't say observe israel after the flesh when we study the law i say observe the church after the flesh you see this nice sweet innocent christian guy Everything's nice, everything's fine and dandy. And then all of a sudden, the political winds change. And then he turns into a freak show. You see? Where you see the hatred and contentions and the outbursts of wrath. Nice little old lady. Oh, what a nice Christian. All of a sudden, the political winds change. And you see the hatred, contentions, uh, outbursts of wrath. You see it. The church is turning carnal, more carnal than it's ever been. That's what's happening. The events of the last days. We must understand the scriptures. Yes, to understand what to do in a physical sense, but to also understand how to behave, how to walk in the spirit. We store our oil, but now what do we do with that oil? Yes, we have light, but... What else? To walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Look at Christians that are just straight up losing it. They're losing their minds. Now, remember, strong delusion is from the Lord. Why? Because they have no love of the truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They have no love of the truth. And where you see no love of the truth, 
You're gonna, if you don't see strong delusion now, it's only a matter of time before the strong delusion sets in. It's from the Lord. It's from God. Oh, nice, sweet Christian lady. And in the course of time, she turns into a mad woman. Why? Well, you say, well, it's a, look at the times. Observe the times. It's, your, it's the flesh that it's on the increase. Okay, I get that. But why? Where was the love of the truth? Where did she go to church? Who was her teacher? Where is the guy? Point him out to me. Oh, it's this guy. He taught them how to go grape soaking. There you go. No love of truth. Now look, her state today. You see? It's very important. These are very hardcore subject matter because, you know, we're like in the Old Testament, we'd say, we talk about Israel, you know, we give these examples. We talk about Israel here. We're talking about the Galatian saints, all these things. But this hits home for many. This hits home. We must be wise to the times and learn to walk according to the Spirit and learn to walk in the Spirit. And if you don't have the Spirit, get the Spirit. Don't be like Simon who tried to pay for the Spirit. That's wickedness. No, the Lord knows. You must seek Him. I speak to the living. The Lord never called me to teach the dead. I teach the living. Can these dead bones walk? Lord, you know. But, verse 22, buts. I love all these buts in the Bible. But you see these things like, whoa, this is like hardcore. And it's like, whoa, this is scary. This is terrifying. And you get to verse 22. But, I love that. Whew. But the fruit of the Spirit, capital S, is. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering. You see, this is the very character of our Lord himself. Love, joy, peace. Old Testament, New Testament, God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I never change, saith the Lord. When you read the fruit of the Spirit, it's like, wow, he says love. Wow, that's like the Lord. Joy, wow, that's like the Lord. Peace, whoa, that's like the Lord. Long-suffering, wow, the Lord is long-suffering. It's like him. kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Wow, it's all like the Lord. That's what he does. When he gives you a new heart. That's what he does. You see? That's the fruit of the Spirit. The real Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Not another Spirit that leads into the law. Not another Spirit that, you know, that the servants of Satan come in accordance to another Spirit teaching a different gospel. No. Where do you see that? It's only a matter of time before you see the works of the flesh. Before you see the adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. That's the fruit of the unclean spirits. The servants of Satan. Because it's a trap. They want to bring people into bondage. Satan wants to drag people to hell. Saints. He wants to trick them. You see? But here in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, the real Holy Spirit, is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. You see, the law is over. You see? It's not just to say, remember, the law is still in effect, and the law is still holy, but it's the lesser glory. The ultimate glory is Jesus Christ. But the law is still in effect. Remember the example I gave, the grocery store example we gave several weeks ago? Where, you know, I come to Christ and I come to Christ and how the Lord established the divine appointments and all these things. Well, I was under the law before, but the law brought me to Christ and now I'm in Christ and all of a sudden I grow. And I might have been formerly angry. And I tell you this from experience, formerly angry, formerly drunkard, formerly sexual, formerly all outbursts of wrath, formerly selfish ambitions, formerly hair. I mean, all these things, verse 19 and 21. I mean, you check them all off. The old nature, the old man, which has been reckoned dead. Now, verse 22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The law is over. When you walk in the Spirit, when you abide in Christ and you walk in the Spirit, for you, for you, the law is over. Done. Finito. Done. But where you see the works of the flesh, whew, that's not a good place to be. And I don't want to scare you, you know, abiding Christ or, you know, you know, I don't want to scare you, but, you know, it's scary. Because if you're outside of Christ and you die in that state, you will burn in hell. I can't homogenize that. I can't candy coat that. It's just straight up. That's how it is. I, I'm just the messenger. I don't make the rules. I'm just the messenger. It's terrifying. Oh, but my pastor says I can do these things and everything's okay. Once saved, always saved. Get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. You know, I can understand having like a... You know, a wishy-washy. I can understand the desire to have, you know, like, you know, a weakling as a teacher. If it were like 1960, 1970, maybe. Like, if you want to have like, you know, uh, the defunct pastor. If you, I can understand that, you know. Not to say that it's permissible, but I can understand that. But now, in these days, whew, you better make sure your teacher is a teacher, biblically. You better make sure your pastor is a pastor. That is watching out for your soul. Because things are going to get dicey. And things are already getting dicey. I could say in our studies in the Old Testament, observe Israel after the flesh. But I could say the same today in our study in Galatians 5, observe the saints after the flesh. Of whom can you say, observe the saints who are walking in the Spirit? Who? Who? Look at all the Christians you know. Everybody. All the Christians you know. And who is it that you can say? This guy, this gal. They're walking according to the Spirit. They're walking in the Spirit. It's few. 
That's the remnant. Now, I don't say this to hurt you. I mean, if you're in the flesh and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to burn in hell. No, 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 no. We can change that right here, right now. We can change that. Recommit your life to Jesus Christ. If you're lukewarm as I once was, we can change that right here, right now. And you do it. Don't be lukewarm. Let today be the last day you're lukewarm. And you recommit your life. Hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And you come back, you listen. And we grow together, walking in the Spirit, learning to walk according to the Spirit in these dark, dark days. And it will get darker. This is nothing. It's going to get much darker. You see? But now we observe the fruit of the Spirit. And how beautiful is it to know that against such those who are yes in Christ and those who are yes walking in the Spirit against such there is no law. Because you remember Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, the law is not made for a righteous person. Remember the law is the additive. The law was added because of transgression. The law is the additive. But when you abide in Christ and when you walk in the Spirit, according to the Spirit, for you, the law is over. The law is not made for you because you are righteous. Righteous. Very few understand this. And very few teach this. But it's important for you to understand this. For your soul, you must understand this and learn to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. I mean, when we look at the flesh in, in Galatians 5, and you see the, the, the flesh in verses 19, 19 through 21, if any of those things like hit home, like hit the nail on the head, repent. I mean, it's a sign of its conviction, yes, which, you know, you might not like it, but it's good. I mean, I don't like it, but I understand that it's good. Yield to the Holy Spirit. You and me, we are the ones who yield to the Spirit. You see, where, where, where there's no yielding to the Spirit in accordance to the Word, Remember, it must be the Spirit of the Lord. Where there is none of that, that's called pride, arrogance. And those are the things where ears become deaf and eyes become blind. And we don't want that. We're on our way to a better mountain, spiritually speaking. That first generation must die. And that's you and me born into Adam. But you and me born into Christ, we're on our way. That's our journey. And so we see this. Against such there is no law. So if you're Hebrew roots and you entered Hebrew roots because you don't like what you see in the church, let me tell you something. That church that you left, they're doing it wrong. 
They're doing it wrong. Remember, that's not the formula. Remember our study through First and Second Corinthians. How many times I said it till we were till I was blue in the face, until you were blue in the ear. That's not the formula. Remember the blue juice and the puff. That's not the formula. The formula must be biblically sound, biblically accurate. The formula according to the word of God, the real word of God, not the Book of Mormon, not the Watchtower Society, the real Bible. And against such there is no law. If you're Hebrew roots and you were seduced into the law because of what you saw in the state of the church and you didn't like it and a messenger of Satan says, okay, you know, come over to this church. We do the law of Moses. We do Deuteronomy because we need more structure. You were seduced. You weren't wrong for not liking what you saw in the church, but that pastor of that church, he was wrong. You say, wait a second, the pastor was female. Okay, she was wrong. And you were also wrong because you were there and it's not biblically accurate. It's not the right formula. You were both in the wrong. You see, get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. Now we see this in verse 24 in closing. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. You know what that means? The flesh is dead. The flesh is dead. People say, oh, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. And it's like, wait a second. How come I see, how come I looked at social media just last night and I saw you, you had all these girls with you. You had all the alcohol. You had, I saw the lines on the table and you're telling me you're crucified with Christ. Nope. I don't see death, brother. I see the old nature who's alive and well. I don't see, I don't see crucifixion. Oh, I'm crucified with Christ. Hold on there, sister. What's up with the crack? What's up with the meth? I don't see crucifixion. You see, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. And remember, the flesh is a package deal. The package deal is this. Crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. This is how you know you belong to Christ, wherein is found eternal security. When you reckon the old man dead, you reckon the old woman dead, and you're crucified with Christ, and you're abiding in Christ, and you're walking in the Spirit. That is eternal security. That is eternal security, salvation for your soul. People just blanket statement. Oh, once saved, always saved. Oh, yeah, let's go do crack. Once saved, always saved. No big deal. Let's go do the pornography, the sex, the alcohol. Let's, you know, let's go get baked. Once saved, always saved. Get a new teacher. Do you see? Teachers, I'm doing my air quotes, but those who teach such things, they're dangerous. That's very dangerous doctrine. Remember, names can go in the book of life. And I praise the Lord for that. But don't forget, don't ever, ever, ever forget that names can go out of the book of life. That's scary. That's scary. You say, oh, you, what do we do? Is it works-based then? No, it's not works-based. It's obedience. Jesus Christ just says it point blank. If you love me, follow me. You follow him. 
If you love me, obey me. Okay, Lord. I mean, it's easy. It's easy. It's straight up easy. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're in habitual sin, what's, what's called habitual sin, and you go and receive counsel and the pastor tells you, oh, once saved, always saved, and we're all sinners, so don't worry about it. It's just a little crack, just a little math, just a little gambling, just a little strippers, no big deal. Just for a couple hours there at the strip club, no big deal. The pornography, no biggie. Number one, get a new teacher, get a new pastor. That's a defunct pastor, a defunct teacher, a defunct elder. That's defunct which is very dangerous at any time, but even more so in these last days. Very dangerous. I've had these conversations with people and they're just torn in their guts. Like, oh my goodness, like, I feel like a dirt bag. I feel like a dirt bag, this habitual sin. I have no victory. I feel like dirt. And I, I love you. I don't say these things to hurt you. But let me ask you a question. If that's you, you're a Christian, right? And you might say, yes, absolutely, I believe in Jesus Christ. Now remember, his words, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His words. Now, my next question is this. Is his yoke easy? Is his yoke easy? Now, as evidenced by your habitual sin, be it the sex, the drugs, or the alcohol, you know, it could be other things, but those are the three biggies, sex, drugs, and alcohol. My next question is this. Is Jesus Christ son of the most high? Is he a liar? Borderline heresy. Is he a liar? Straight up. I mean, you're in habitual sin. Sex, drugs, alcohol. Could be other things. Is his yoke easy? And you want it to be easy, but based on your walk, is it easy? You might say, no, it's not easy. And you probably will say, no, it's not easy. Because I feel like a dirtbag all the time. Okay. In that I say this. Rejoice, because that is godly sorrow. You feel like a dirtbag. Praise be to the Lord. I felt like a dirtbag before. Now what? Now we got to get you nice and cleaned up. We got to get you cleaned up. So what do we do? Well, we got to take a bath, you know. We're going to wash you. We're going to clean you. We're going to get you nice and clean. I don't care, male, female. I don't care. Habitual sin we're talking about. We got to get you cleaned up. Remember, the, the Lord, he's the one who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And based on people's walk, sometimes that's not true. That's not true. Because wait a second. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I like the crack. I like the sex. I like the alcohol. And he... This isn't easy. It's not light. Who's your pastor? Oh, this guy. He wants me to go grave soaking with him. Get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. He's defunct. He cannot equip you for the times. He cannot train you for these times. Let's get you cleaned up. How do we do that? You must understand. Well, you must repent. 
Repent. Be at peace with the Lord. The have the peace of the Lord. And once you're cleaned up, now we must understand. You and me both were in the same boat. We must understand that walking according to the flesh is deadly. And not just deadly, practicing the things of the flesh is deadly. Now, how do we walk according to the Spirit? It's not religion. Religion cannot do this. You cannot manufacture the Holy Spirit. Now we need stillness of heart. We need to seek the Lord. Fasting maybe. Definitely praying. But that means do away with those things which so easily ensnare you. The sex, the crack, the drugs, the alcohol pour in the toilet pour in the sink. Get rid of it. Burn it. Get rid of all of it. And seek the face of the Lord. And He knows. And, you know, if you were grieving the Holy Spirit, beautiful. We're not grieving the Holy Spirit anymore. But maybe you were only into the baptism of John, which is the baptism of repentance, belief in Jesus Christ. But now comes because the Lord sees your heart. You threw away, you burned all those things, you dumped all the crack in the toilet, you dumped all the alcohol in the sink, and you got rid of all of it. The pornography, you got rid of your expensive computer. You don't want it anymore. You got a little flip phone. You seek the face of the Lord. No more strip clubs. You burn all your phone numbers. You're not calling all your friends anymore. And the Lord sees that. Boom. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. The helper. And instead of feeling like a dirt bag. After the sin and with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And praise the Lord for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But if that's your life, look at all the times that you've been grieving the Holy Spirit as I grieved the Holy Spirit. Now, instead of the af after the sin, before the sin, we seek the Lord. You see, we seek the Lord and the helper will do just that, help. And then we learn to walk according to the Spirit. We learn to walk according to the Spirit. The same way Israel learned to walk, spiritually speaking, is how we learn to walk according to the Spirit and in the Spirit. Laying aside those things which so easily ensnare us, Understanding that the fruit of the Spirit, which is also evident, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You see? Learn to walk, my beautiful brother. Learn to walk, my beautiful sister, in the Spirit. And you must crucify the flesh. I'm not speaking literally. I'm speaking supernaturally and spiritually. You must reckon the old man dead. You like the crack? That guy's dead. You like the sex? That lady's dead. You like the alcohol? That guy's dead. That's the old nature. Crucified with Christ. And the flesh is a package deal. Crucified with uh, uh, those in verse 24. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Package deal. 
with its passions and desires. You see? With its passions and desires. When you get to this point, you learn to walk in the Spirit and you're abiding in Christ. When you get to this point, I tell you the truth, the world will hate you. And you know what else? Believers will hate you. And you know what else will happen? You'll love them even more because you care for their soul. You see? It's so powerful how the Lord works, how He moves, how He guides, how He leads. In closing, we get to verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's called being a hearer of the Word and a doer of the Word. You see, in verse 26, let us not become conceited. That's a process. Let us not become conceited. And conceited here is a very prideful thing, which means if you're going to be prideful, you have to leave humility. It's a trap. Remember, the Lord desires humility. Humility is a good, just so happens we studied this on Wednesday. It just so happens. Humility is a beautiful thing. Because with humility, we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Absent humility, we're blind and deaf. And I don't want any of us to be blind and deaf, even more so in these last days. I want us to be wide awake and ready. Light for the dark. Let us not become conceited. That's the flesh. When Paul lists these things of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and you're like, whew, okay, I got that, so praise be to the Lord. Against such there is no law. I'm abiding in Christ. Boom, praise be to the Lord. I'm not under the law. But don't, don't give up the fight. You can be an old man. You can be an old lady. Don't give up the fight. And Paul includes himself. Let us, in verse 26, let, let us not become conceited. That's a prideful thing, which begets other works of the flesh. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another. You see? Provoking one another. Now you see that this... Work of the flesh, the becoming conceited, prideful, leaving humility. It's like a flame. It stokes other flames. It can set a fire. Provocation to another person. Provocation to another brother, another sister. He says, even envying one another. You see this provocation? which happens among those which there is no law, those who are walking in the Spirit. Now there's this little warning, let us not become conceited because with the birth of that pride, leaving humility, comes the provocation of other works of the flesh among other brothers and other sisters. And in this provocation is the envy. And with envy comes other things. You see, it's like starting a fire, a wildfire. And that's, Satan loves that. He likes that. It's not to be puffed up and exalted. It's just the opposite is to be deflated. 
and humble before the Lord. It's just the opposite. Humility must be near. Humility must be the state of the saint in these last days. And when you reach this point, and I say this by faith, I say this with great hope, when you reach this point, not if, when you reach this point, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, when you reach this point, you know what else will happen? You'll be very, very, very lonely. But I tell you the truth, there is no other place you'd rather be because it's your own intimacy with the Lord, oneness with Him, two becoming one, the better husband looking forward to the better marriage. We're going to end our study here and Lord willing, pick up in chapter 6 and close our study through the book of Galatians to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.